If you would please uh, turn to Matthew. And I am going to repeat a reading which we have already heard uh, associated with our message this morning. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Listen carefully to the holy, infallible, inerrant word of God. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to the son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, if you would turn over to Galatians, to Galatians chapter 4, wanting to read verses 1 through 7. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same day, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. The blessing of your grace has come to us, O Heavenly Father, and how we rejoice to know 
that Christ has come into the world. Yes, born under the law. He's the one who kept the law perfectly. And in his obedience, we alone have obedience in your sight by your grace in Christ's name. Amen. Can God enter history? Let me put it a different way. Can the supernatural enter history? For those who reject the actual creator of heaven and earth, the answer is a clear no. What is interesting is that I have heard many Christian historians maintain that a Christian should not enter into a Christian interpretation of the events of history or the flow of history. In one sense, we can understand their cautious attitude towards such an approach. They are weary to attempt to speculate about God's reason for a particular event. For example, from their perspective, if an earthquake struck Las Vegas and destroyed all the casinos, would we say that such an event is the judgment of God upon the sin of gambling? Another example, what about the analysis of war and the speculations as to whose side God is on? Let us go another popular direction. What political figure or party does God support? If you are following the concern of many Christian historians, you may have sympathy for their desire to be careful of trying to enter into the mind of God and subjecting God to their own analysis of good and evil in the unfolding events of history. Although I am sympathetic of those who do not want to speculate about God's moral actions in history, I have often found that these fellow Christian historians have two dangers. First, as they study and look at history, there is a glaring absence of any discussion or integration with the God of the Bible sustaining the events of history for the purpose of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of the church of Jesus Christ. Second, they study and view historical events as if they are deists, deists. What do I mean by that? Simply this, by being weary of making biblical assessments of good and evil upon events in history, and also giving little or no attention to God's providential activity in sustaining history, they act like the deist conception of God, who wound up the creation like a clock and sat back and let the world run by means of natural laws viewing everything through a natural occurrence by nature or human choice. 
Well, congregation, as we are reminded of Christ's entrance into the world, let me point out that looking at history only through naturalistic eyes, that is, only through nature and human choice, is death. Is death. There is no joy of Christmas there. Only a self-conscious, selfish look at your own presence and gifts. True Christians, joy comes with the religious soul grasping the supernatural in history, meaning the celebration in your heart of the Christ child born in Bethlehem. Is this celebration embracing you? Is it embracing your family? Is it embracing all those whom you love? This morning, let us be reminded of how the supernatural Christ entered history by the sovereign and decreed of plan and action of our Heavenly Father in confronting the shameful action of Adam and Eve's sinful rebellion against their maker in the Garden of Eden. The Lord God, as a perfect and holy being, takes upon himself an incredible oath, incredible oath of grace to provide the means of reconciliation with his fallen creatures created in his image. He takes an unconditional oath upon himself directing directly to Satan's face that will champion his grace of promise over every fabric of evil in the serpent. The evil one will never triumph in the end against Lord God's supernatural control of every event that unfolds in a fallen creation. No, one person will come out of the seed of the woman who will absolutely crush, will absolutely conquer the head of the serpent by his own righteousness defeating sin and death. Genesis 3.15. And who will this be? You know him. You know him. He is the reason that we are assembling this morning. Is he not? He is the one who we come to celebrate this morning. He is Jesus the Christ whose supernatural entrance into history is demonstrated by the humblest surroundings of being born in a manger in the city of David, Bethlehem, because there was no room for his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, to take residence in the town inn. Christ's entrance into history is crafted 
It is orchestrated so marvelously by his Father that we should be in absolute awe of how our God has brought for us forgiveness of our offensive rebellion against him, just showering, showering us with redemption from sin that we do not have any right to claim. The sovereign grace in the Lord's covenant of life and love truly penetrate your heart just from the gospel narratives. Carefully listen. Listen with hearts of humble joy how the Lord has put all this together as recorded in the gospels. The New Testament opens with the book of Matthew. And the first thing we read directly in that gospel is not the birth of Jesus. Does that surprise you? The first thing that the Holy Spirit and Matthew places before us is the genealogy of Christ. Matthew 1.1 literally reads the book of of Genesis, the book of Genesis of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus Christ coming into the world is a new beginning. He is a new Genesis, a new creation as the second perfect Adam arrives who cannot and will not sin. His coming is by the Lord's sovereign design. He fulfills the oath the Lord swore to David, as David is mentioned in that first verse. He fulfills the oath that the Lord promised to Abraham, as Abraham is mentioned in that first verse. Hop over to Luke's genealogy at the end of his third chapter, if you wish, who takes us back through the line of Joseph, his earthly father, back to Adam, the origin of the human race, to the first human to whom the covenant of grace in history was first applied. Luke even goes back beyond Adam, beyond Adam, to the Son of God, to Christ in whom Adam is created in his image. Yes, Christ who is and always has been and always will be is placed at the beginning, at the beginning of the human race. And he is placed at the end of the human line from Adam. Do you realize something? That the genealogies of Christ in both Matthew and Luke are the last genealogies that appear in the Bible. Why? Why? 
Because every human now born on the face of the earth are either a son or a daughter of Christ or a son or a daughter outside of Christ. You are, are, the, you are either in Christ's household or outside Christ's household. You either are adopted children who have now become joint heirs with Christ, whose names appear in the book of life, or you are still wayward. You are wayward children, given over to Satan's kingdom with absolutely no eternal inheritance. No more genealogies. You are either a child of Christ or a child of Satan. There's no in-between. Welcome, congregation. The book of Hebrews opens by saying that long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. We have already had a small glimpse of how our fathers in the faith and the prophets spoke of Christ. Let us continue to see how the fabric of God's supernatural revelation is interwoven in the lives of the fathers and prophets coming alive in the birth of baby Jesus. How about the Annunciations as the supernatural entering and sustaining history? These events are carefully orchestrated by on the part of the Lord in history. The angel comes to Joseph announcing to him that Mary, his wife, is conceived by the Holy Spirit. In order for the covenant of grace to be fulfilled all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, 15, the seed out of the woman had to bring forth a son who could actually triumph over sin and death. In order for this to be accomplished, this child had to be born without sin. Hence, Mary was with child by the Holy Spirit. Did such a supernatural act just happen out of the blue? No. All of this is taking place to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy hundreds of years earlier. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The Son of God dwelling with us, not in buildings made with human hands, but with our flesh, in whom we behold his glory and his name this is crucial. This is crucial. The angel tells Joseph to call him Jesus. Because he will what? Save his people. 
from their sins. Is this just a coincidence in history? Not at all. Rather, the Lord God is sustaining in history his promise in the covenant of grace. We also read in the Gospel of Luke 1, 26 through 38, that Gabriel, the angel, comes to Mary to announce, to announce to her in full accordance with Isaiah 7:14, that she will be with child by virtue of the Holy Spirit. Does Gabriel make up his words to Mary? Not at all. He appears to Mary echoing the word of the Lord concerning the promised words of the Messiah. His words are speaking of the glorious day of the fulfillment of the Lord's promises to David and to Jacob. The one of whom Mary will give birth will be the king over all things in heaven and on earth. He will reign forever and his kingdom will have no end. And after Mary hears the prophetic words of her cousin Elizabeth, who is also with child in terms of John the Baptist, Mary's soul responds with a glorious song that magnifies the name of the Lord. And among her words, her first words are the following, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And what follows is no exaggeration. The words of Mary's song are immersed in passages from the Old Testament that flow beautifully off her lips. If you do a study of just her words and their connection to the word of God in the Old Testament, you will be overwhelmed. The Holy Spirit has laid upon her heart a wonderfully composed message of messianic language. Know to place Jesus before every person who rejoices in the coming of the Christ child into this world. Her words become our words about Jesus. Mary possesses a humble heart and body which is overcome with the privilege of being God's elected vehicle of bringing the Son of God into the world. In the arrival of the Christ, the mercy of God is poured out upon sinners, stretching all the way back to Abraham, Luke 1, 55. This is the true God sustaining the covenant of grace through supernatural revelation upon the plane of history, 
the Lord's design on how this worked itself out in history is absolutely magnificent as reflected in Mary's revelational words, drenched, drenched in the Old Testament scriptures from centuries earlier. The Holy Spirit continues to raise up voices that testify to this great day of the Lord fulfilling his covenant of grace. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, speaks that the Lord has now raised up the horn of salvation from within the house of David, sworn to Abraham. And through the Holy Spirit, the lips of Zechariah are not ignorant of the Old Testament scriptures with respect to his own son, John the Baptist. He understands that his son will be a prophet who prepares the way of Christ's coming and ministry as the Messiah, all in historical fulfillment of the prophecies found in Isaiah and Malachi then once Christ is born, the supernatural activity of the Lord in history continues to be confirmed by the word of the Lord to others. An angel appears to shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks by night. The angel tells them that he has good news of great joy. Again, not speaking on his own, the angel speaks in accord with the prophetic word of God in the Old Testament that in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord is born. And then after seeing the Christ child brought by his parents into the temple, in Jerusalem, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ, the promised Messiah. Yes, seeing the Christ, Simeon took the child in his arms Bless God for giving him eyes to see the salvation of the Lord. Yes, the Christ child is the light for the revelation of the Gentiles, he proclaims, and for the glory to the Lord's people, Israel. This child is the one promised in revelational history to save all his own people on the face of the earth under the penalty of sin and death. This was the promise of our Lord God. Right to the face of Satan, all the way back to Adam in the garden, Satan has no victory in controlling history. The supernatural revelation of the Lord God witnesses 
the sustaining grace in Christ through the Holy Spirit to the Lord's chosen children throughout the world. As a Christian, as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, do not allow your heart to surrender to a naturalistic view of history, suspending the Lord God out of the picture. If you do so, don't be surprised if Christ is not found in your heart. You really have no idea how to read history. After all, please think about this. Please think about this. If there is no covenant of grace, if there is no covenant of promise about the coming of Christ in the garden recorded in Genesis 3.15, there would be no on going history. History would have stopped. You would not exist. So if you're having problems with the Christian faith, you better wake up and understand there is no life on earth without the promise of Genesis 3.15. You don't exist without it. Therefore, The only reason anyone exists, the only reason that history exists, is because of the promise of Jesus Christ. Therefore, know this the only infallible addition of historical events ever written is found in the Holy Bible. And the message of the Bible is a supernatural revelation centered on the coming of a baby. The coming of a baby born of a virgin who is Jesus who saves us from our sins. Will you not pause this morning and confess with your lips and believe with all your heart these words from the Apostle Paul about the impact of the birth of Christ coming into the world? 
from Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Listen carefully to the gospel and find where you are in the genealogy of Christ. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, what a blessing it is to have Jesus come into the world. We are so thankful for what he has done for us in, through your providence and through your grace. We're thankful, O oh Lord, for those who confess your name that we are not lost in the world, but we are among those who triumph. Because Christ is the one who is the king of kings. His kingdom is the one that never ends. We thank thee. Not only in terms of his birth. But his ministry and his death and resurrection. Praise be to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.